So I'm going to have to uh, cut the message after Adam's sermon. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me, uh, Adam, um, I think, sometimes forgets that there are a whole bunch of people watching online uh, who aren't in the room and um, don't get all of your references. I don't even know where you're at, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway... Just uh, heads up there. By the way, um, you're talking about your little kids running around the house early in the morning. You don't know what creepy is until you have a uh, giant 23-year-old nonverbal son who will come downstairs in the middle of the night and stand next to your bed silently until you wake up. And see, just a dark shadow. <laughs> it is the creepiest. Anyway, okay, so, well, I got you beat, okay? I mean, they may get up at 6.30, but at least you don't go, <laughs> Okay. Uh, hey, Real Life Family, it is good to be back with you and to be back in person, especially now, because today we're kicking off uh, our Christmas series, message series, God with Us. And we don't have to argue or have debates, like we all know we're all on the same page. This year has been incredibly difficult. Not only are we still dealing with COVID after, where are we, like 10 months now, something like that, but in an election year, um, and I'm like, okay, God, can you possibly like pile on any more into um, this year? I think that more people have probably prayed for Jesus to just come back this year than maybe any other time in history. Um, like you just found yourself like, God, just please, like, let's just call it quits, okay? Send him back. Let's move on. Uh, let's get on with our real life. And that promise of real life, that one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set everything right, is what we hold on to as followers of Jesus, right? That, that this world is not our home, that something better is coming, that we have something to look forward to, that there's a promise that our real lives are yet to come, even in the midst of the real life that we struggle through day in and day out here. You know, in times of of pain in our lives, it's the promise of a better tomorrow that keeps us going. So I think about just a, a few things. Think about um, this year. Uh, all of the fuss that was made about the trade negotiations with China and how bad that was going to be or good that, like the on and on, back and forth. All of the squabbling between politicians on both sides um, of, of the aisle. The election Right, that, that I don't know about you, I, the, I just couldn't wait for the election to get over so that I didn't have to see any, any more of those uh, ads that come in the mail. Or I'm just tired of those, <laughs> get rid of those. Every time you turn on the TV or listen to the radio, there's somebody saying how horrible somebody else is back and forth all the time. We're not given the truth. By, I'm gonna, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to wreck your world right now. We are not given the truth by um, those people who are putting those things out. That's not the truth. It's their version of the truth, maybe. It's, it's whatever they think will make them look better and somebody else look worse, but it really is not the truth. And so I couldn't wait for November 4th when all of that stuff was going to be over, and now we have a contested election. <laughs> 
And it just continues. And it seems like it just goes on and on. Uh, it doesn't matter where the pain is coming from in our lives. It's the promise that that pain will one day end. And, and, and that what's going to come is better than what is here. That all the hard work is going to pay off. That, that sometimes just holding on, and that's all that we can do, that just holding on is going to result in something better moving forward. That's the promise of this series, God with us. The, the promise that was given to Eve in the garden, right? He said, hey, look, there, there's, there's going to be offspring and the serpent is going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush the serpent's head. That was a promise of a Savior. That promise was also given to Mary. She's going to um, become pregnant and give birth to a child that's going to save the world from their sins. And it was the promise that was given to the people of, of Israel that we're going to look at today, that one day this child would be born who would save us from our sin. But, but the promise didn't end just with that. The promise kept going. In times of both um, progress, I think there's a news. Are we to that point? Yes? <laughs> Maybe. Hey, is it obvious that we haven't done this for three weeks? Okay. Um, all right, and that didn't work either, and that's going to be really annoying to me the whole uh, stinking time that this is on. Uh, here's, and, and I can't stop to fix it. So here's what I'm going to say. Um, if you want to, just get your phone out and go online because, uh, well, no, they're seeing what you're seeing. Never mind. This is not good. This is not the way it's supposed to be. You'll just have to listen to me, and I'll tell you what's happening. Okay, um, in, in times of both progress and pain... Times of both progress and pain, it's the promise of a better future that keeps us going. We know what it's like in the pain, right? We've been walking through that each and every day of, of, of this year. But there's things that bring us pro progress too, that, that it's the promise of the end of that that, that actually keeps us going. Let me give you a, an example. Because we've seen the example of pain right now. Here's the example of, of progress. Um, you can't tell it yet, but I've been hitting the gym pretty hard. Uh, and let me just tell you that, I mean, I'm going to show you right now. You'll see it uh, not too long. You'll be able to tell. But when I stand in front of the mirror, take my shirt off, you can tell that I've been going to the gym. I'll just say that. Uh, there, I, I know just... Hold on, it's okay. I know it's exciting. Did you see my wife's shirt today? Yeah, okay. Um, look, the, I, there, I have never been able to really build muscle in, in my body. But apparently, I just needed to wait until 49. Apparently, at 49, you hit that peak in the, you know, the stuff in your body. And so, woo! So, look, I'm going to the gym, and I'm lifting heavy weights, and I'm building muscle, and just wait. I, uh, I watched um, uh, Aquaman the other day. And, and so Andrea goes, look, how, like, she's like, how far are you going to take this? And so I saw Aquaman the other day, and I said, I said, look, when I 
look like that. I'll stop. Okay, there's a, there's a point to this. Look, it, like it's difficult, okay? Um, so basically, I'm sore all the time. Everything hurts uh, because I'm going to the gym and I'm lifting and I'm running and I'm, I'm doing those things. Everything hurts. But I can see that at the end of that, there's a promise, right? And the promise is that I'm going to look like Jason Momoa. Or I would take the dude that plays Superman. Like that, whatever. Um, I just want to make sure, like, okay, I just want to make sure I'm getting older. I want to make sure that as I continue to age, I age well, um, that my wife still finds me attractive, and that if my children choose to have children, that I'll be able to, play with them and pick them up off the floor and things like that so I so I'm looking for that and it's the promise of a more healthier body a more healthier lifestyle more disciplined mind that allows me to handle the pain of the progress that I'm making okay just see how that connects all right so in pain and progress it's the promise of what's to come that really keeps us going keeps us fighting and and gives us something to fight for when we feel like the world is just piling it on. And it feels like in 2020 that that life is just being piled on, right? I mean, we get to a point where we think, man, maybe it's going to get better and I'm going to get go back to work or schools are going to stay open or whatever. And and then, and then like we just get another hit. I I, I heard the other day and, and, and I know there's lots of things on both sides, but but when I heard the other day that, um, that President-elect Joe Biden said, my first day in office, 100 days of nationwide mask mandates, I just was like, oh. I, it just feels like all the time, like every day there's something new that's coming, that's coming up. And look, I, I, I wear my mask most of the time. Always, I forget it sometimes because um, I don't like it. But I try to wear that. I go out in public and I go to Walmart, go to Dillon's or whatever, go to those places, especially if they have a sign that says you need to wear a mask. I'm going to wear a mask in those places. Um, but just the thought of having to do that for the next three, I'm just like, man, that is a struggle, and it's probably how the people of God felt. The way we feel about 2020 is probably the way the people of God felt about the year 742 B.C. And we got to go a long way back to get that. But look, the, the people of God had settled in the promised land, but because they did not fully obey God, they didn't have peace in the land. We talked about that in the last couple series um, that we were in, and we kind of looked at the life of the, uh, uh, or the uh, trajectory of the Israelites moving into the promised land. So we're going to look today at Isaiah chapter 7 and um, verse 1, and so you'll just have to listen to me um, read it. Ahaz the son of Jotham, and the, thank you. (laughs) Oh, she got it! Julie, let's do, let's do that officially. Good job. I don't know what you did, but good job. You, uh, you did it. Okay, Ahaz, the son of Jotham and the grandson of Uzziah, was king of Judah when King Rezin of Syria and King Pekah, son of Ramalia of Israel, went to attack, attack Jerusalem, but they were not able to do what they had 
plan. Okay, this doesn't make a lot of sense because you're like, Ahaz is the son uh, of whatever, but he's the king of Judah. What's Judah? Um, and uh, this guy is the king of, of Israel, and Israel is the people of God, right? So let me try and break that down really quickly. Around 930 BC, after King Solomon died, there was a split in the nation of Israel. Remember, it was made up by the 12 tribes or sons of Jacob, whose name God changed to Israel. And, and so really it broke up this way. The um, 10 northern tribes decided they didn't want to follow the line of kings of King David. So David and Solomon, they didn't want to continue to follow that line. And so what they were going to do is make their own king and bring somebody else in who wasn't from the line of, of David. But Judah was going to be, uh, was going to stick with the line of David and, and the tribe of Benjamin was with them. So you have this split in the nation of Israel. The ten northern tribes then took the name Israel and the two southern tribes took the name Judah and that's where we get that. So Ahaz is king of the southern tribes, Judah. And in those southern tribes of, uh, of Judah is the city of Jerusalem where the temple of God is and, and where God is supposed to be worshipped, right? So God said, this is where I'm placing my name. This is where my presence is going to be. You come here to worship me. And so Israel decided we're not going to follow not only the line of David, but not God anymore. We're going to make our own temple. We're going to worship our own gods. It's all going to be um, great. And so we have Ahaz as the king of Judah. And um, we have Pekah uh, uh, as the king of Israel. And these two nations now don't like each other. Okay, so there's been a lot of fighting back and forth for about 200 years. So we come to 742 B.C., Ahaz is the king of Judah, and Isaiah tells us that the kings of Syria and of the northern tribes of Israel had joined forces, and they surrounded Jerusalem. But um, there's more to the story than just what we're told in Isaiah. Let me try and give you that really quickly. In 2 Kings 16 and 2 Chronicles 28, you can read about what actually is going on in the beginning of Isaiah chapter 7. Um, so the Edomites, a uh, tribe I believe from the south, have attacked Judah and taken prisoners. Like this is a continual, like they keep doing this, right? So they attack, they take prisoners, they haul them off, and Judah gets a little bit smaller. Then the Philistines, the Philistines have been um, fighting with God's people like since the beginning, right? The Philistines, they attack Judah and they have captured six of Judah's southern cities and all of the land surrounding them and they've replaced them with their own people. So those cities now are not part of Judah anymore, they're part of uh, Philistia. And it um, really uh, goes on from there. Um, Israel and Syria have joined forces. They have gone, moved down into Judah. And before this happens, they've already killed 120,000 of Judah's soldiers in one day. They also have taken 200,000 of Judah's women, uh, boys and girls, uh, hauled them off back to Israel. Now, if you read the story, you find out that God wasn't very happy with that, and they ended up kind of sending them back. But they had taken them, like it's huge, terribly disheartening for the people of Judah. And now these two nations, Israel and Syria, are literally at the gates of, 
of, of Judah. At the gates of Jerusalem surrounding the city, they're um, building siege ramps against the city and they are trying to overtake it and destroy it. And if you look at the rest of the story in Isaiah 7, you find out that all of this trouble comes because Ahaz is the king of Judah and the people had stopped obeying and following God. I don't know if what we face this year could be attributed to God's discipline. That There's certainly those um, people, believers, followers of Jesus out there who are saying, look, what's happening right now in our country is a direct result of the direction that our country has gone and our leaders have gone. And if we would turn back to God, that we'd find a lot of this stuff would kind of go away. Um, I, I don't know if that's true. It, it may be true. I think, that, I think the argument's probably there. I think we could make that um, I think we could make that argument, but I don't know if it's God's discipline or if the stuff that we're facing this year is just Satan's design. Because we know that that's what Satan wants to do, right? Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what's happening. Like That's what Satan's MO is. That's what he wants to happen. But it feels like we're under attack, doesn't it? It feels like life is just not cutting us any slack and it's just one thing after another and it's a little scary. And I think a lot of people have felt more like the people of of Judah in in verse 2. Let's look at that. Uh, When news reached the royal palace that Syria had joined forces with Israel, King Ahaz and everyone in Judah were so terrified that they shook like trees in a windstorm. Now look, this virus, this COVID virus is real. And people are getting sick and they're dying from it. And while the virus is, um, still has a very low mortality rate, you never know how it's going to affect you or somebody that you love. And I think that's the thing that is is the most kind of worrisome, right? That, that it just seems like we can't just go, okay, it's just this. Like you never know. You can, like everything could seem right and you could get it and that could be the end. And, and so that's the scary part about what we're dealing with. But then you couple it with that. Um, there are still way more people who haven't been exposed and haven't gotten COVID than have. That means the pool is still really big, Right? There's still a lot of room for this virus to go and for more people to get it and more people to get sick and even more people to die. But it's not just the virus that we're dealing with, right? We add to that those people who are wondering if the businesses where they work are going to stay open or not. Or if somebody's going to make the random decision to shut down wherever it is that you work and you're just out of luck and out of job and income. Wondering if, man, am I going to have to quit work to, to stay home and to educate the, the kids or to make sure they're doing what they're doing, what they need to be doing at school? Is, is the school's going to shut down? How is this going to work? And, and that's not even to mention those who may lay awake at, at night praying that their spouse's job doesn't end. Because they know that if that happens, the abuse is going to go way up. There are a lot of of reasons, only one of which is COVID, that that people are shaking like trees in a Kansas windstorm. One of the things I've noticed about Kansas windstorms is sometimes they just don't make any sense. 
That wind can come out of, like, just seems like nowhere. And you could have two trees that seem identical, and one of them is left standing, and the other one is completely uprooted. We know what that's like. But it's in the midst of this fear and worry and, 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 and fright, it's in the midst of this that God speaks to the prophet Isaiah to give words of comfort for King Ahaz. So in verse 3, this is what happens. The Lord said to me, this is Isaiah, take your son and go see King Ahaz. You will find him on the road near the cloth maker's shops at the end of the canal that brings water from the upper pool. Tell Ahaz to stop worrying. There's no need for him to be afraid of King Rezin and King Pekah. They are very angry, but they are nothing more than a dying fire. Ahaz doesn't need to fear their evil threats to invade and defeat Judah and Jerusalem and to let the son of Tabil be king in his place. Okay, so this is what they were planning to do. That's what they were planning to do. Judah, or Israel and Syria were going to overtake Judah. They were going to put their own king in charge and they were just kind of going to absorb Judah. They were probably going to put Ahaz to death and the entire royal family. They would have killed off David's family line, right? Because that's what you do when you um, overtake another kingdom. But there's some things here that, that, that are going on. The week before Thanksgiving, Real Life sent um, gift cards to, uh, I don't remember, I think about seven um, families, seven folks here that are associated with um, with real life, who we just kind of had heard through the grapevine. We just got some folks together and started talking and, and just got some names of people who we heard might be having a tough time financially. Several of those shared how those gifts came to them just at the right time and, and, and how the pain of financial struggles is real, but the promise of God that he not only knows our situation but can get help to our location is powerful. And I want you to see that that's what's going on in, in Isaiah. So God says, look, go to see King Ahaz. You will find him on the road near the cloth maker shops at the end of the canal that brings water from the upper pool. That's a specific thing, right? And so what we have here is God going, look, Ahaz. Now Ahaz was not a great guy. In fact, the Bible says that he um, didn't follow God like his father David, but instead he followed the kings of, of, of Israel and the nations surrounding them and did more evil than those before him. Like he was not a, a good dude. He, he did everything wrong, like he continued to do it. But Adam talked about this before, the incredible love that God has for his people, even when we're messing up and even when we're blowing it, he still loves us and he knew how troubled Ahaz was. Not just Ahaz, but the entire nation of, of Judah. He knew how scared they were, that they were shaking like trees in a windstorm. And so he says, Isaiah, look, I know exactly where Ahaz is, and I'm going to send you with a message that will be just for him. A promise that God not only knows our situation, but can get help to our location is a powerful promise. God not only knew where Ahaz was and what he needed, he knows where each and every one of us is. 
And he knows exactly what we need. And Ahaz didn't have any idea that God was talking to Isaiah, that Isaiah was going to bring a message to God. See, God's working in your situation in places that you don't even know. And while you're struggling through the pain and trying to hold on to that promise, God is working in ways to get to you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. That's an amazing thing about our God. Sometimes um, what we need is just encouragement, right? Look, he says, tell Ahaz to stop worrying. Don't be afraid of the threats of these guys and and what their plans are. It's not going to come to anything. Yes, they're angry. They're angry, but they are nothing more than a dying fire. He's like, look, they're going to smolder and they could still burn you, but it's not going to consume you. Isaiah tells Ahaz, there's no need to be afraid. I know they're angry. They're at your door. They're beaten down. They sound scary. And there's a lot of them. And you know the damage that they can do. But just hold on. Like Israel and Syria threaten Judah. You and I are being threatened by this virus that's out there. And we're now on the verge of being threatened with fines by our own government. There's been threats. But in the end, the question for me is, what do I have to fear? In the midst of everything that's that's going on, whatever side of whatever position you decide to take, what is it that we really have to fear? And so here's where I've settled. And this is just me, okay? It's just my opinion. You may uh, have a different uh, opinion uh, uh, and you may disagree completely. That's okay, But this is where I'm at. COVID doesn't go away January 1st. We're talking about how terrible this year is and oh, I can't wait for 2020 to get over. But look, (laughs) we're going to go into January and February and we're going to go through 2021 and we're still going to be dealing with shutdowns and mass debates and arguments. Like this does not go away just because the calendar flips to a new year. So we've got to find a way to deal with it because we will not defeat it. Even if we have a vaccine, this is not an exact science, right? And there's a lot of promise for the vaccine, but but they're beginning to slow walk that now, right? Typically, it takes two to three years to come up with a vaccine we've done in, what, six months? We do not know the long-term effects of that. And there's a lot of fear now about Okay, the cure can't be worse than the disease, right? And so there's a lot of, uh, of fear. And, and so I, what I'm looking at, and I'm going, okay, look, we're going to be dealing with this for a long time. COVID is killing people. And it's killing people at a higher rate than the flu. Are there probably some similarities with the flu? Yeah, there probably are, but we can't take those very far. But, but here's the thing. Coronavirus is a novel virus. And so I have a suspicion, and I'm not a medical person, right? I don't understand that world. But I have a suspicion that every new disease has a higher death rate initially. And then we work some things out, and we build some immunity, and whatever happens, God created our bodies to do things that that I don't understand. And and, and we began to, to move through that. 
I also have been, been thinking this, right? Um, humanity is going to survive. Yes, some will die. That's terrible, and, and, and we mourn for those who, who have died, for those who will die. That Nobody wants to see that. But, but death is a part of life, and, and you really can't have one without the other. We mourn for those who, who die, especially, like I can't imagine going through what you go through and being in the hospital and being alone. That to me, feels like that would be worse, I think, than, than even just being sick and, and wondering, am I going to live or am I going to die? But, but, but not having the people that I love there. Like I've been in the hospital and I've been on the verge of death. I didn't necessarily know it at the time, but that's what they told me. It was incredibly comforting that every time I was lucid enough to know what was going on, I saw my wife sitting next to the bed. I can't imagine being in that position now when you don't have people. You don't have those that you love there because of those restrictions in the hospital. But look, dying is a part of life. And I think maybe the better question is, how do we want to live? Whether we have a long time on this planet or we have a short time on this planet, how do we want to live that time that we have? And so my guess is that in three to five years, COVID will be a normal part of our lives. It will not make headlines anymore. It will be like a lot of the other things that have come along. I, I, I remember when AIDS was the big thing. I was younger and I saw that come and that was a huge deal. Nobody even really talks about it anymore. A lot of things that have happened like that and we get used to those things and we figure out a rhythm to life, right? And we do some things that maybe help combat it and we continue to live. Every year though to COVID from now on until Jesus comes, we are going to continue to lose people that we love to this virus. So here's what we're going to focus on at Real Life. We're going to do our best to make sure that every person possible has the opportunity to find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. That's been our mission from the beginning. But now, now is like, I'm like, we need to be even more committed to that than we were before because people are dying. And we need to make sure that we give every person possible that opportunity to choose Jesus while they still can. And I would say especially children. Especially children. I'll talk about more, more about that in just a second. Let me move on to the verse 7. Um, I, the Lord, promise that this will never happen. Okay, so... God says, Isaiah, go talk to Ahaz. And, and this, I know you're scared. I know you're worried. But look, I've got this. I've got this contained. These guys are not going to get out of the bounds that I have set for them because I have promised that what they're saying will never happen. After the flood in Genesis 8, God made a promise. He said, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. I wonder if perhaps we could add to that list illness and health. 
As long as the earth endures, we're going to get sick and we're going to be healthy. And if Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't come back, humanity is going to continue moving forward. We have this promise from God that, that until Jesus comes back, the world's going to keep spinning. We're going to keep living here. I, I, I do not think, I'm not one of those people who thinks that um, at some point humanity is going to, there's going to be an extinction level event and the plants or the animals are going to take over the world again. Jesus didn't go to the cross for plants and animals, people. He went for you and I. And, and so we're tied to what's going on. And, and we're going to be here and on the planet until Jesus comes back. And so I have faith that even though things are going to be difficult, I and mean, we're going to have to deal with not just this disease, but more are going to come probably. Hopefully not in our lifetime, but maybe somebody else's. We're going to have to deal with that until Jesus comes. But until he comes, the world is going to keep spinning. And we're going to keep living. God was telling Ahaz that um, he had in, in verse 8, he says, look, I've set boundaries for these kings. They're not going to go outside of the boundaries that I have set. And I, and I was um, reminded, I was thinking about this, about the, the, the boundaries that, that God set for other things as well. God set boundaries for the sea. And he says, look, the sea, there's, more, well, there's enough water in the seas to cover the, the earth. What holds it back? Well, it's the moon and the whatever. I'm just going to break it down for you, God. God holds it back. God does that. Like it's God's plan. It's God's will. It's God's planet. And he takes care of those things. And he has set a boundary for COVID as well. And I hope that we've about reached it. We should be careful then, but not fearful. And so look, our response to COVID is not going to usher in some great defeat to humanity. But if we don't find a way to continue to connect with people, especially our children, we will suffer an incredible spiritual defeat that I think the capital C church may not be able to recover from. So, here's how we're going to, to move forward. If you are worried about catching COVID, if you're worried about the, the, the disease, if you're worried about contracting it, please join us online. And if not us, join somebody. Watch somebody. Get that spiritual fix however you can. If you're feeling ill, and, and I'm, I'm like, look, people... This is 2020. We've been dealing with this stuff for a long time. If you're feeling ill or your children are feeling ill, stay home. Join us online. Like you can do that for a week or so. Like it's not that. Do that for you and for the rest of us. You'll get over it quicker. The rest of us won't have to get it at all. So if you're feeling ill, join us online until you're feeling healthy. If you are at a higher risk or in a higher risk population or have a compromised immune system, please join us online or join somebody else online. Now, we're talking, we're considering ways to help those people who would like to come to church but um, are worried about coming to church because 
we, we're not forcing people to wear masks and we're not making sure that you all sit like separated apart. We've tried to make a place in the back. If you're sitting in the back, you know, wear a mask, social distance a little bit. But please do that. But we realize that there are people who are not coming to church because they're, they're worried because I'm going to be around people and they're not going to wear masks or whatever. So here's what we're doing. We're talking about ways... <coughs> I don't know how it's going to work out yet, but maybe what will happen is we'll have another service on Sunday morning. And maybe we won't have the, the full band, maybe we won't have the whole band, but, but we'll, do, we'll do something because, like they say, singing is not real great for, uh, spreads things more. But we'll have a second service where you can come and you can mask up and you can social distance and you can be a part and you can still participate in, in the service. So we're looking at ways that we can kind of mitigate some of that and, 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 and still allow you to be a part of what God is, is doing here. But let me tell you this. Here's why we haven't said you have to wear a mask, you have to social distance or, or whatever. Um, we, we have simply decided to stay open because our kids need Jesus. Um. And, and, and I, really, I mean, like, look, there's just a lot of stuff going on. But, but, but let's face it, as parents, we're stretched thin. Trying to manage school and manage the house and manage the finances when you're not sure what's going to happen and all of the things that go into to having a family at, at, at home. And I don't, I don't understand. I'm so glad that all of our children are, are older, but we still have to deal with it a little bit. Our, our son Trent goes to a day program several days a week that is now shut down until the 18th. And maybe it'll open up then, maybe it won't. This is the second or third time that's happened and he um, stays home or thankfully sometimes goes to see um, our, our daughter. But that means that I am the primary caregiver of him. And so I can't do the things I want to do because I have him with me all that time. So I understand what that is is like, but let me just say, our kids are not getting the spiritual nourishment that they need to grow in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord. And they're, and they're not getting that in part because, again, parents, we're stretched thin. It's difficult to manage all the other stuff and then try to do spiritual things with our kids on top of that. And so what we know is this. While when the church shut down and we went online and thousands, hundreds of thousands of churches went online, parents joined in that. And parents, like you probably, maybe the last three weeks, you got up and you got your cup of coffee or whatever and you sat down in the living room or on the couch or in the bed and you got your phone or you put it up on the TV and you watched church online and you joined in with us and you participated in what was going on and we're so thankful that you did. But my guess is that you probably let the kids sleep. Or at least you didn't make them sit there and listen. Like you were like, ah, they don't, like they don't pay, they're not going to get it, they're not, whatever, and so we're just going to let them do whatever. Like go have breakfast, go make yourself something. Like, I'm doing church and you do whatever. But we also know, because Amber has done an incredible job of putting um, kids' lessons out on Facebook that, uh, uh, the kids ministry Facebook page, putting lessons out and getting stuff out that parents could print off or could use with their kids. And, 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 and look, it's not a criticism. I'm just saying hardly anybody has done that. 
And I think it's because it's difficult, right? It's hard to kind of manage. Like our kids are, they're going to school online. They're connecting with their friends online because they can't be together. And then they're following their favorite personalities on TikTok or YouTube or whatever it is that they're doing today. Um, and they're following on. By the time it comes to Jesus, there's just not a lot of bandwidth left for that. So what we know is that our kids are probably not going to grow spiritually if they're not in there. If they're not here on Sunday morning and they're not being taught and they're not being with their, their friends and, and having that influence. And what I'm afraid of is that we're going to be so fearful of this virus and the things that are going on that we're going to lose a generation of young people they're not going to grow up in, in faith. They're not going to have that foundation that we have. Like adults, we're like, okay, I have to take responsibility for my own spiritual growth, so I'm going to watch this guy, or I'm going to listen to this podcast, or I'm going to do my daily Bible reading or whatever. I can't be at church. But our kids are not doing that. They haven't developed that spiritual discipline yet to connect with God in that way, and so we have to have a place for them to come and, 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 and to worship. And so look, we're going to say this, because we know that the healthier you are, and presumably the younger you are, the less susceptible you are to this virus, we're going to say we're going to be open as often as we can, and we're going to make sure that our kids can come. And, 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 and we're, gonna just, we're just going to say, hey, we just want you to use your best judgment and what you feel comfortable in doing. But we want to be open, and we want you to come. We're not going to risk the spiritual growth and development of our kids because of this. right? I, I think what's going on in there, what's going on in the nursery is more important than what else is happening. So we're going to be open as much as possible for them. Now there's no easy answer, so here's our answer. We're going to choose children and families so that they have the opportunity to know Jesus like some of the rest of us that have been around a little longer. And so that's our response. That's our answer. Because if we don't, we're going to suffer a spiritual defeat on a generational level. And we might not get them or the next generation back. So let's jump back to, to Isaiah. Um, verse 14. But the Lord will still give you proof. Okay, here's what's happened. A, uh, Isaiah has gone and found Ahaz. Remember, he was in the market at the end of the canal where the water is brought in. He went and found Ahaz and he gave him this. He's like, look, Ahaz, don't worry. These guys make a lot of noise, but it's going to fizzle out. God's not going to let them do what they said they're going to do. That was cool, but now God has come back to speak to Ahaz through Isaiah. And Isaiah is now talking not just to Ahaz, but the scripture says um, to the entire royal family, which probably means as much of the whole nation as possible. So Ahaz now, uh, uh, Isaiah now, instead of just talking to the king, he's talking to everybody. Here's what he says. The Lord will still give you proof. A virgin is pregnant. She will have a son and will name him Emmanuel. 
in the midst of this terribly dark time in Judah's history, after suffering numerous defeats, discouragement, and literally being on the brink of destruction as a nation, like literally going, we're not going to be a nation anymore, God gives the, the people a promise that a virgin will have a son, he'll be Emmanuel, and that word Emmanuel means God with us. And that promise means as much today as it did to Judah while they were surrounded by the armies intent on their destruction. God with us is a powerful promise. That God is with us in the ICU when no one else is allowed in. That God is with you when you're unsure if you're going to have a job next week. God is with us when the money runs out. God is with us when the enemy has surrounded us and it looks like there's no way out. The promise of Emmanuel was given in a time of hopelessness and rebellion. A time where those leading God's people were not holy. God still made a promise to be with his people powerfully. And, and when I look at the story of Isaiah and what's going on with Judah, I go, man, there's a lot of similarities to what we're dealing with here, isn't there? A lot of the same stuff going on. And look what he says next. Even before the boy, right, this, this son that's going to be born by the virgin, even before the boy is old enough to know how to choose between right and wrong, so he's very young, okay, he will eat yogurt and honey. I don't really understand why that's there, but I've made an assumption, and you'll see that in a second. And the uh, countries of the two kings that you fear will be destroyed. He right? says, so okay, these two countries, they're knocking at your door. They're trying to destroy you. But I'm going to tell you that the, before this promised child is even old enough to fight or do anything, provide any help as far as you're concerned, the two countries that you now fear will be destroyed. So here's what I think Isaiah is saying. Even as a small child, Emmanuel, this child, this God with us, will still be more powerful than the countries that you now fear. I think that's what he's saying. He's like, look, this child is going to be just chilling, eating yogurt and honey. Like it's an afternoon snack. It's not a big deal. And he still is powerful enough to defeat your biggest enemies. Here's what I think Isaiah is really saying, that maybe means something to us today. What you fear will one day be forgotten. The things that we fear right, right now, this, this virus, the things that we fear, our jobs and all that kind of stuff, one day, one day, and, and I hope before Jesus comes back, one day the things that we fear right now are going to be forgotten. We're not going to think about them the same way. And we're going to go, yeah, remember when we were so scared? Remember when everything was in turmoil back in 2020? We're going to go, man, that was crazy. I'm so glad we don't have to fear that stuff anymore. COVID is not the end. Our God is more powerful than any pandemic and while we must take it seriously, we shouldn't be shaken. Each of us should do what we feel is best for ourselves, for our families, and for our neighbors. But I don't believe that we should live in fear. I think that God has set a boundary for this virus. 
And it will not spread beyond that. Like the sea that he held back so the Israelites could walk across on dry land. God has set a boundary and he's going to say this is where it's going to end. And it's not going to go any farther than that. Look, look at the next few verses. We're going to wrap this up. He says, look, there's this promise, a child is coming and the child is going to be stronger than any of your enemies even when he's a weak little baby. But the Lord will make more trouble for you and your people and your kingdom. Now remember I said before, I didn't know, like Judah, Judah was under this because they had disobeyed God, right? And God was disciplining them. And I didn't know if what we were dealing with in 2020 was discipline from God or just the design of Satan. But here we are in the middle, it's causing us pain and we need to hold on to the promise. But here God is saying, look, it's me. I will make more trouble for you and your people and your kingdom than any of you have known since Israel broke away from Judah. He will even bring the king of Assyria to attack you. Now this is important and it's really quickly because Ahaz had already reached out to the king of Assyria to rescue Judah. Instead of going to God, Ahaz sent um, gold from the temple of God. He took it out of the temple and he sent it to um, to the king of Assyria and said, come rescue me. And God's saying, look, this guy that you're looking to for help is actually going to bring you harm. Anytime we look for help outside of God, we're not going to get help, we're going to get harm. It may sound good in the beginning, but it's going to be bad in the end. We shouldn't live in fear of a pandemic, but in the fear of the Lord. But it's different for us than it was for Judah and, and for Mary and for Eve. Their promise, in the Old Testament, their promise was that a child would save the people from their sin. Our promise is that a king is coming who will finally defeat every virus and every villain and finally bring victory even over death itself. Our promise is not that just that God would walk through this pandemic with us, but he's promised that one day we'll be walking with him where there will be no pain and no pandemics and no need for promises because we will be with the promise maker and the promise fulfiller forever. Ahaz was told that things could get worse before the child, before Emmanuel would come. And listen, things might get worse for us before the king returns. I don't know when that's going to happen. But in times of pain, it's the promise that keeps us going. It's the promise that helps us press on when we don't think we can go any further. And so we, as a church, we as individuals, as followers of Jesus, we're going to continue to do our best to help every person possible find real life in Jesus, to look more like him every day, and to hold on to that promise. And because we've got a promise that our king will one day return. I don't know the struggles that you're facing in your life. But if the struggles you're facing, if they're from pain or they're maybe from progress, but I know that if you hold on to the promise of God, 
promise that he's always with you and that you will be with him someday. And not even death will separate you from the love of God in Jesus. Then you can make it through anything. Doesn't matter what we face, God is with us. And we can face it in his strength. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for seeing us through. Thank you for making a way even when we can't see it. God, right now is the first time we're back in about a month. I I just want to take a moment out to pray for those who are dealing across the nation, around the world, those who are in hospitals alone and dealing with this disease, this virus, they're struggling with it. They don't know if they're going to live or die. We ask for strength and and, uh, um, for patience and for perseverance for our healthcare workers who are going in each and every day and working long shifts and hours and dealing with these people as more and more um, come in and, 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 and those in the healthcare industry are just like, we don't know what to do. Like if you're sick, just go to the hospital and we're just piling more and more people on. And so would you, would you give those who are dealing with this a day in and day out, would you give them strength and would you give them wisdom? Would you give that also to our leaders? But both um, local and, and, and state and, and national and world leaders, would you give them wisdom and understanding and guidance and discernment as they try to figure out and see a way through this? God, we pray for those who are making decisions and we pray for those who, who haven't gotten the virus yet and are still worried, like, is it going to affect me? Am I going to die or am I going to live? And, and we pray for those who are, who are worried and concerned about that. God, we pray that that no matter what happens in our life, no matter what happens with the the virus, no matter what happens, what villain comes against us, that, that we would simply be strong, that we would do our best to follow you each and every day, to listen to you, to be guided by you. And, and Father, would you help us for the sake of our children to stand firm in you, to not be shaken, to make sure that they have a place that they can learn about you on their level. And then God, would you just use what's going on in the world today to call every person possible to your son Jesus. The word says, look, if I am lifted up, I will draw everyone to myself. And so God, in the midst of this struggle, we want to lift up Jesus to see every person possible come to him and experience the real life that's only found in him. So that whether there's a virus or or whether it's an accident or whether something else is going to come on, we can live each day knowing, being firmly established, when my time comes, I get to be with the Father. Help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, if you would like to experience the um, promise of God in in your own life so that no matter what happens, you can face that with um, without fear and you can walk into the unknown, then we want to know about that and we want to help you. So if you're in the house today, stop by the Connection Hub afterward. If you want to make sure that that, that promise that God talked about is for you and that you're holding on to it strongly, stop back at the Connection Hub. If you're joining us online, go to reallifecc.us forward slash I'm ready 
fill out that form. We'd love to help you take your next steps um, as well. No matter where the pain in your life is coming from, you've got a promise that will be better than you can possibly imagine. And all you've got to do is follow him. So I hope you do that. And I'll see you back here next week for God With Us, part two.